Can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. What's going on, guys? Shaman here. Uh, I'm just giving you a little breakdown of what to expect from the podcast moving forward. Expect episodes coming out Sunday and Fridays. Sunday being just rapid reactions of the game. And Friday being a breakdown of the upcoming game. I'm just going to let the boys take it away from here. September 14th, 2020. The New York football giants welcome the Pittsburgh Steelers back to the NFL for week one. New York led by young Joe Judge and even younger Daniel Jones. Start the game off with the ball. Jones throws for 279 yards, completing 26 of 41, with two touchdowns, both caught by Darius Slayton. Each more spectacular than the last. But with all things come balance, Jones throws two game-altering interceptions. Saquon Barkley and the run blocking proved to be a disappointment, totaling in a total of six rushing yards. But the defense shown improvement from last year with two sacks, one with Leonard Williams and the other by Sexy Dexy. The Giants lose week one to the Steelers, 26-16. This has been a New York Minute. Giants fans, welcome to Big Blue All Year, the podcast that brings you New York football Giants content all year long. While your hosts toe-tap the line between podcast professionals and a bunch of fanatics talking shit at the end of the bar. Tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not brought to you by anyone. Insert sponsor here. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at Big Blue All Year and rate and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Adult content ahead, because you know, we're doing it live! All right, guys, this is coming the day after the Monday Night Football game. Let's just get right into it. What went wrong here? I mean... If anything, we called it. We're uh, we're all one and zero, even though the Giants are zero and one when it comes to predictions. As silver linings, right? <laughs> right. So one thing that totally went wrong was the run game. But we have to start with that. I mean, six yards, fifteen carries, ugly from start to finish. Could not get a run going whatsoever. Honestly, we did not. I, I feel we did not match up good against this defense. I was a little overconfident. I admit that. <laughs> well, what do you think, Burger? Burger, you want to talk about the run game? Because uh, I, you, you called that we weren't going to be able to run against what, him. I right? think it was it was 150 yards and two touchdowns by Saquon. Um, Just a bit outside. Oh shit! No, oh. I didn't see the 15 carries for six yards coming. I'll tell you that. Burger, <laughs> can I tell you something? What's that? I posted your prediction on a, a PFF college tweet and it was like top uh, yards by running back. It was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, then like Christian McCaffrey, Chris, Christian McCaffrey after contact. It was like something like that. So I, I replied to the tweet, uh, Saquon Barkley, 150 yards, two TDs, and I got lit up before and after. <laughs> yeah, I, said, I said, I'm not pussy enough to delete no tweet though. Oh, you know, I like that. I appreciate nah, it. You, let, know? you thanks, gotta let thanks the bad for... takes marinate. That's it. Yeah, uh, come on. Why do you think we're podcast experts, right? We gotta stand by our takes. Yeah. As silly as they are. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, but to be fair, to, I, as much as I love toasting the burger, the uh, toasting the burger's buns, if you will. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, I think we all knew that the 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 game wasn't going to go our way, right? We're all optimistic Giants fans. We wanted to have some reason for optimism. And really, I think we did see some things to be optimistic about. More on that in a little bit. 
But the one thing you can't really fault us for, if there was a matchup that we thought we could exploit, it was the run game. Like, I think I said it earlier. Had you told me before the game, would I think that Jones would pass for almost 300 yards while Barkley ran for, what, six yards total? Or it would be something more like Jones having, you know, 150 yards while while, uh, Barkley played well? I would have bet heavy on the second outcome. So I think... Yeah, we knew that this defense was going to be tough and that maybe the whole team would be struggling, but we moved the ball pretty well through the air. I think the fact that we were the one-dimensional team was the surprise. I I don't know. Well, I I like how Jason Garrett didn't give up on the run either. Like, Saquon had 15 carries, Deion had one, and Daniel Jones did tuck it for four. So we didn't get away from the run, which was, I guess, not necessarily a bad thing, even though we weren't very successful. But at least it still opened up Danny, uh, things for Danny downfield where you're able to see him connect with Darius Slayton on that play-action post. And a couple shots downfield. We were we were very successful with slants last night. And I was wishing we would do more of that. Um, I'm not sure. Did we attempt a screen pass last night? Does anyone recall? Oh, Two. Or it was the Saquon had that big one. It was like that double reverse thing, right? Or whatever the hell happened there. Yeah, yeah. It was like some razzle-dazzle where he almost got uh, obliterated too. Thank God, like, he got that out. Anyway, on the screen pass, we talked about this earlier. And the reason I said we can't do the screen pass, I was listening to the radio today. I think it was WFAN. And they were like, I mean, it doesn't matter what coaching is. it Sherber? Is it McAdoo? They still struggle with the screen pass. We run, we had one earlier in the game that didn't do shit. We had one that was really successful. But anyone watching the game, they were just deciding to rush people. There was pressure. They were getting into our backfield, obviously, based on the rush stats. How did we not attempt more screen passes? Like that's the whole point. Take it. Yeah. Aggressiveness. I would have. I would have really liked to see the offense spread out a little bit more. I thought they were really crowding the line of scrimmage when they had three tight end sets on. If what felt like quite a few snaps, I'm not sure the actual count on that. But I would have liked to see a little diversity, a little tight end screen, wide receiver screen out to the outside. You know, I mean. It was kind of vanilla. I expected a little better from Jason Garrett, but I guess we do have to give him some time for the rust to come off. He has not called plays since uh, 2012. Oh, boo fucking who. <laughs> he's not an athlete. He's not out there running. His brain is Yeah, busting. but the game changed. God the game damn has changed. Is- Tell me not the game has changed since 2012. And the Giants' fortunes have changed awfully okay but it's that's not that's like he got what did he go into a hyperbolic time chamber and just be collecting dust wow so that's the hyperbolic time chamber huh uh no i'm not saying that hasn't changed that much since last year well i mean kellen moore was calling all the plays in dallas for the last couple years telling me though that jason garrett is a head coach in the nfl that my man isn't around his offensive scheme that just because okay i i can argue that maybe he's a little rusty in the sense of calling plays it's 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 a different skill set but it philosophy isn't though philosophy isn't you call screen plays to take advantage of a defensive aggressiveness that is crushing your offensive line. That is a philosophical trait. Now, maybe he called the wrong screen plays or whatever the case. To your point, a tight end versus running back versus wide receiver. But the concept of a screen play is not changing. And I'll do you one more. Listen here, my crop make friends. Now you get the hell out of here. Talk about didn't go away from the run game burger. 
He went away from the run game early on when it was the one time he shouldn't. I don't give a shit if you're the smartest man in the room. We are not football players or NFL professionals. But there are some times where you don't overthink it and you only need a Madden level comprehension of the NFL football game to know what to do. We got the ball on like the one and a half yard line, the two yard line on first down. If you don't believe in your team with an all-world running back, hell, Daniel Jones could sneak it four times in a row. And but if you, you trust him behind the gates. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes. You're telling me that Saquon Barkley up not- the middle four times in a row? They didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that at the time. That first drive, they moved the ball down to the 50 or 40 and then punted. They did not know that they weren't going to be able to run the ball when he made those decisions. So I don't even want to fucking hear it about the post-game stats. You run the ball four times in a row with an all-world corner a running back, and you score a touchdown there. That ended the game. Yeah, I totally agree. That was that was really deflating when they're wow. on the four-yard line and you can't put it in. Like, yo, Especially dude, the momentum's no, I, I completely totally feel swung. There were, there were times when the Giants had their momentum and it was taken away from them. Obviously, you had Daniel Jones's interceptions which i feel like are less i mean they were bothered but they were you know they hey were let's, let's give tj watts some credit that was Jones. a hell of a football play he made he fucking watt, that yeah. out went back into coverage and stole that ball from i think it was uh it was going to ingram or caden smith who was doing like a quick like in out like in route i was like oh. holy shit oh speaking of speaking of fuck up speaking of fuck up, oh. let's talk Evan ingram God, we talked I mean, about it. On. What a no, disappointment. The man has no hands. And he, the biggest catch he makes, he pushes off, and it's a penalty the other way. I was like, my God, what are you what are you doing? Yeah, it's... Oh, he was tossed like a rag doll. Uh, you can't put him in a blocking situation. He's got to be a wide receiver. I don't care anymore. I, yeah, I think it is time it's, to admit. It, dude, you can't use lining up against... a fucking 260-pound uh, pass rusher. Like, dude, what's going to happen? If you're going to use him, he's got to be someone who's chipping and helping whoever the, the assignment is for the tackle. He cannot be on an island against these monsters because he is a boy when it comes to blocking against these guys. And not only that, speaking of uh, monsters, there was a lot of times, and I, I don't know if it was, the, it, it was, it definitely wasn't Andrew Thomas's fault. It was probably a Garrett or Colombo issue. You had Andrew Thomas attacking the man in front of him, who's the interior defensive lineman, Bud Dupree. Free range on Daniel and Saquon from the blind side, and that's just unacceptable. I, the, the circumstances are bad enough as it is. You cannot let any man, let alone that one, get into your backfield in half a second. You just can't win. Disciple, you're totally like right. And if anyone who watched the game, it was like that all night. I think the lack of communication between the tackle and guard on who is it's, who's picking up who was overwhelming the entire game and Bud Dupree had his way. I was surprised he didn't register a sack last night, but he No, Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas Dude, did he his was job. Blowing up everything. I don't I, he was probably the best I mean, part yes, of the whole He played a, a competent game. Oh, Cam no. Fleming looked so overwhelmed to TJ Watt. It was absurd. Yeah, no. Yeah. So did so did Gates, dude. That's what I'm I'm a little concerned, but we have to understand, you know, this is this is COVID season, no preseason. This is a brand new offensive line, look, brand new line coach. Steelers haven't changed coordinators in three, four years. You know, it's not. This is a. 
It's a huge difference. I think it just shows they have seven first-round picks on this defense, and they were just flying. Like, their front seven was You know, they were saying... Oh. uh, They were like... Somebody was saying that this... uh, this might be one of the only defenses that can really go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs offense. I, I believe That's it. That's what they're saying. And if the Giants play that good against a team like that, like, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, you know, we hate we hate hearing – we hate seeing our team lose, but at the same time, like, this loss feels so much better than any other loss since the year 2017 where the Giants are dead well, it was also nice not playing the Cowboys week one in Dallas, so that was a nice nice change of pace as well. That's true. And now here's – there is one silver lining. Everybody uh, – or not everybody, obviously. Cowboys-Eagles lose. We also lose, but we don't even lose in the conference or the division. So, just a small – obviously, you would like to get a W. And for uh, the amount of time the Giants kept it close, I mean, we're talking about a halftime lead now. Was it 10-9? It was 10-9 at half. No, 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 no. That's not true. <laughs> no, 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 no. They drove it was the ball down. It was 16-10. He missed James the extra points. 16-10. 16-10. All right. But no, Sorry, but... I apologize. It's a little cloudy. Oh, no. For a moment, it did seem that way. It was 10-9 for a while. Yeah. At least a little while. At least a little while. Let's get back on target. What do we like? Yeah, so well, hold on. Just I was gonna say, oh. let's revisit that point and, and in the context of Daniel Jones, when we talk about maybe some optimism here, still briefly. For those of you keeping track at home, what went wrong was inability to run the game when we have arguably the best running back, um, the questionable play calling in some situations, and a, the other team being in our backfield on every single play as soon as it snaps, and offensive line communication issues. Does this sound familiar or not? Um, so, you know, a new year, uh, same issues, but what else went wrong? And in the fourth quarter, cause I think, again, we, we might, we'll get to this in a minute. There are a lot of reasons to be optimistic. There's some players that played better than we could have possibly expected. Blake Martinez was a bright spot defensive line. We'll get into it in a sec, but in the fourth quarter after the game was mostly out, out, we started getting the ball ran down our throats and it's clear that our second cornerback is going to need an upgrade. Valentine was getting turned around all all the time. Darnay Holmes had his ups mm. and downs, but that's a fourth-round rookie who who held his own. Um, but, I mean, our secondary late in the game was a problem. Dude, they were the good. defense was so good. Yeah. Couldn't agree. Dude, the separation those receivers had, Big Ben had all day to hit them, dude. Yeah, it was and the and the run game. You had fucking Snell running all Yo, over, man. What the Yo, fuck? Yo, Snell was right? running all over us in that fourth quarter. He was running hard and just they had their their blocks were opening up. It was not looking good. Yeah, no, they were just yes, that it is what it is. You gotta hope that they start getting into mid season form sooner rather than later. I mean, do you think that we sign another cornerback before the, the like, are, are we rolling with Yadam and Valentine, you know, and hoping that Logan Ryan um, and Darnay Holmes, you know, get their feet under underneath them? Or is it is this just what the squad, the squad is going to be? And we got to hope that they figure it out, figure it out. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, awesome. they, if they maybe move Logan over. Um, I, I think we primarily stole Julian Love at safety and then it was Darnay and 
Logan patrolling the slot pretty much last night, like you said, with the uh, the second rounder and the guy we got from Denver holding down that cornerback two last night. So, yeah, Julian Love played every single defensive snap. Uh, Logan Ryan played about eh, 60% and was primarily in that safety. Is that what they were doing? Peppers yeah, Peppers was dropping sense. down. In, yeah, and we, and we talked about it. I mean, you know, the versatility that it provides, and for three quarters and change, it was working mm-hmm. per, better than we could have expected um, with, with some of the defici- deficiencies that we admittedly have. But, yeah, Logan Ryan looked to be playing in that more uh, back safety role that allowed Peppers to drop down into that, you know, quasi-linebacker role, so to speak. Whoa. I mean, that Isaac Yadam dude only was in the uh, the game for five snaps. One of them mm. was a 10-yard touchdown. Yeah, well, I saw Darnay. Darnay was yeah, playing. They put Juju thing. in the slot a lot, and they kept, like, hiding him behind the tight end, like, almost like a screen, like a pick play, you know what I mean? And, like, he just kept getting open. And, like, Darnay yeah. doesn't have a chance because he keeps getting picked, like, with the route that they were running. It was, like, upsetting. I was like, damn. But, uh, yeah, he he had his ups and downs last night. You could definitely see, like, the rookie bumps with him. There's a lot of rookie bumps. Okay. But the defensive front, team, though, played. I, BJ Hill, I saw in the backfield and making plays quite frequently last night. I don't know if you caught that last night, Mac. So I was pretty hammered. Um, so I just saw a b- bunch of fatties doing some good work for a lot of the game. And, you know, the, the listeners out there, you got the initial pessimism, and that's where you, you're going to go on the meshes boards. You're probably going to hear a lot of the same things that we just talked about. But let's get into some of the reasons that we might have some optimism. And this, this, my friends, is I think where we differ from when you see the the media talk about the Giants is that they look at some stats. I don't believe that these guys watch every snap of every game because sometimes their takes are such utter dog shit. They look at a couple says like, oh, they got blown out. I don't think anybody watching that game was like, that was an un, not a competitive football game. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, we were on the door knocking at being up 17 to 16 against debatably a Super Bowl contending team. So to that point, Berger, defensive line, the run defense for the majority of the game, I mean, two sacks, Leonard Williams doubling his sack Mm. total from the 2019 season. They were. And uh, James Bradbury played very well, too. He had a bunch of uh, pass deflections. I know he gave gave up that touchdown late, but I'm not going to hold that against him. Like, we were kind of already blown out, and they were just whittling us down at that point in the game. But um, he he looked the part of being the premier corner that we paid, which is a very encouraging sign. And also, like you said, Blake Martinez was just a tackling machine last night. Like him and Peppers, I thought, were just all like running all over the place. Love seeing it. Uh, Disciple. How about oh, Peppers dude, he on looked awesome as our punt returner. Like, we have actually a competent punt returner for once. How about the disciple himself calling that special teams would make at least some Your of the difference? In facts. Game. If they score that touchdown facts. off facts. that first fumble, I think it's a completely different. Oh game. no, there was, yeah. Oh, there was a chance to just really fucking step on their toes to start the game, man. Yeah, that was Yay, so demoralizing. Who cares? No, that's it's it's deflating. It's deflating as a team. Obviously, you get you get within, you know, the five yard line. 
Jesus, to settle for three points. Hey, I'll give you uh, another Leonard Williams stat, too. You said he had one sack. The guy had another two quarterback hits last night. Like, we got five quarterback hits on Big Ben last night. I, I think that's pretty impressive considering their offensive line, I know, is missing David DeCastro, but that's still another solid unit on a Pittsburgh team that is possibly bound for the Super Bowl, at least the AFC Championship game. Just overall, I was just very impressed with how the defense seemed like they gelled together. You know, they they played hard. They played together. They're playing. I feel like they really stepped up to the level of competition. Whereas on paper, this team is of less talent in almost Mm -hmm. every position besides running back. If you look side to side, it's probably just about there. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can really argue that. And by the way, while we're jerking ourselves off, I will say my huge prediction as well came true as we held the tight ends for the Pittsburgh Steelers to two total catches for like 20 yards and no touchdowns. I was, so, I was so going to mention that earlier. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I didn't I even think about that. I was like, we should probably wait for the defensive segment. Nice, uh, nice call there, Mac. Yeah, yeah, I do what I can. Yeah, 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 right. you know. Wow. I didn't even know that. I didn't even I think to look at that. Did it, did I mean, yeah, and also, you talked about Blake Martinez. I think the big knock on him was that, you know, tackles are great, but it's not necessarily a a metric that correlates to uh, defensive production because who knows where the tackles are. You watch that game. Line of scrimmage. His tackles were – he had a couple tackles for a loss. They were around the line of scrimmage. I think he had 12 total tackles. I mean, um, early on, for sure, he looks like he's worth worth the investment. He didn't go anywhere. Like, he had six carries for nine yards. Yo, he was, like, befuddled. Like, he was stuck. At the goal, like at the line of scrimmage, almost every time, and I was like, "All right," until they put like he got hurt, and they put Benny Snell in, and I was like, "Ah, shit." The so let's talk about the most important thing about the New York Football Giants, and we'll get the people out of here. And I'll preface it with this because I think you're going to hear a lot of positivity. There are no moral victories in the NFL. And I think, you know, was it the big tuna who says, you know, you are what your record says you are, right? You know, right now we are an 0-1 football team. And I believe statistically that puts us, well, maybe because, like you said, uh, Disciple, we're outside the conference and division, wherever we're ranked. We're tied for last, right? That's who we are right now. However, context is everything. A new young head coach, a COVID year, a second-year quarterback learning a system for the second time, three new offensive line starters, one of which is an undrafted rookie playing a position he's never played, the other being a journeyman right tackle, and the other one being a rookie as well. Um, excuse me. The There is a lot to like here. And if these issues, this is where I get mad with fans who freak out in the middle, oh, we're just as bad as last year. We're dog shit, you know, same issues, yada, yada. I said it earlier in the pod, and I'm, I'm, I said it almost to tee myself up, you know, oh, same team or new team, same problems. And while some of that is true, and maybe by as early as week three or four, if we're having the same conversations about some of these topics, yeah, okay, it's no longer time to pat ourselves on the back about maybe moral victories. But the point is, Daniel Jones operating a no-huddle offense against one of the best defenses in the entire league when he had literally zero help whatsoever. He was our leading rusher by far, and that was just so he could save his own goddamn life and not get crushed in there. And yet again, another game where he doesn't have his full complement of offensive weapons. 
that doesn't happen by accident, folks. I think Daniel Jones is the guy. Darius Slayton is definitely here to stay. And again, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I think two minutes left in the third, we were on the doorstep, second down and goal, driving, had them on their heels. Terrible, terrible mistake that cannot happen. But again, this game was could have been 17 to 16, start of the fourth quarter. That's a football game, folks. Totally agree, man. That is, dude, game was in reach. There's no doubt about it. And you're absolutely right. I don't think we brought him up earlier, but Darius Slayton looks like that guy could be our number one receiver going forward. He fucking played like it last night, that's for sure, with two touchdowns, over 100 yards receiving. Um, I can't wait to see him play next week against the Bears. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, man, that's going to be a great, great matchup. I feel like, you know, the way they play the Steelers, I feel like they can play with anybody right now. I know that sounds so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the delusional fucking Giants fan that always thinks we're going to get better, like, right away. I mean, I'm patient, man. Like, I'm not, like, here bitching, like, yo, there's going to be pain. Like, I expect it. But at least we're seeing improvement. At least we're seeing, like, a team goal being strived for here. That's not something we were getting before. And Judge isn't throwing his players under the bus, but he's keeping it real. But if you think for a second that that coach isn't getting on Daniel Jones for throwing that pick on the goal line, you're foolish. You said it, Disciple, I think, uh, and Joe Judge said it. There was a tweet today in his interview. I woke up this morning thankful to God that Daniel Jones is our quarterback. You got to love that. That's great support. And frankly, Joe Judge, you took the words out of my mouth. So am I. He is Eli Manning with wheels. And with Eli Manning, you take the good with the bad. He showed in that game everything that we think that he could be. But also the the bad. You know, you don't throw – you can't try to make that play. Already rolling out to your left as a right-handed quarterback trying to make that throw into the corner of the end zone, that's tough in a good circumstance, let alone with a guy coming down. It's second down. Throw it out of bounds. Take the sack but you do not turn that ball over. But even in the post-game press conference, you know, the guys were saying, hey, that, that first interception, yeah, you, you don't want to make that play, but that was a great spot. Um, the guy was under pressure all game yet again, had no help from his other weapons, really. You know, Evan Ingram, who's supposed to be this matchup stud, is dropping balls and getting penalties. Barkley, they're all world back because they're doing shit. Offensive line's getting crushed. I mean, yeah, Joe Judge, you said it, my man. I woke up today really ha- happy Daniel Jones is the New York football Giants quarterback. 100%. And if he's doing this good with this bad a team around him, imagine what happens if and when these players develop into legitimate professional football players, not just kids from college. Scary thought. That's for sure. Think about that. So I think we could be singing a very different tune or could be saying a told you so uh, come next Sunday afternoon. Uh, I think the Bears are a beatable game. Look, they were getting their ass kicked by the Lions. They came back. I'm sure they're feeling themselves and having a very similar conversation about Mitch Trubisky um, after a really disappointed second year, and, and he played pretty well. But here's the thing. If we are going to be a team, if, if the optimism that we are talking about tonight does not carry over and we continue to play to a higher level of competition, even though when it steps down against the Bears, who are no slouches, but they're obviously nowhere near the caliber, I think, of this team, um, 
then we have a serious problem. So let's hope that we can continue to see these things next week. And we're, we're walking out one and one. I think that is easily on the table. Uh, all right, boys. I think we just about covered it all, at least for our, our first go at this. Any any parting shots for the people before we get out here? Yeah, I'll go. I'll sharp on a I'll harp on Saquon Barkley real quick. You know, I know he had a rough game. That's still our golden goose. You know, everyone back off. I think uh, my preseason predictions of him breaking the uh, single season rushing record still in play, even after a very pitiful week one performance. But hey. It's the Bears. It's a new week, fresh start. You know, let's uh, let's go get it. What about you, uh, disciple? So my parting shot is this. I don't know if I don't. I don't. We didn't mention his name at all in the pod. I'm I'm sure. I'm not sure, but Lorenzo Carter, tenth ranked edge rusher this week. You continue to see that kind of pressure. You're definitely going to see an increase in production in guys like Lawrence and Leonard Williams. As you saw last night, my parting shot is the double down on you crazy Giants fans and you dumbass media folks. All I'm going to say is keep the Giants out of your mouths if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Giants fans, you're listening to Giants fans. And again, we'll be singing your tunes in three or four weeks if the same shit's happening. But don't go jumping off any cliffs right now. Just the same way as that we're not going to the Super Bowl if we beat the Bears next week. And I swear to God, if I hear someone else like Colin Cowherd, who honestly, I don't even mind listening to, but it's just so obvious sometimes when they talk about the Giants, and I'm sure it's for every other team, they're looking at a stat sheet and have seen some highlights. It's, it's Some of the takes that they say are so absurd. I, I'm, I, that's why you're listening to us. We might be fucking crazy, but we're going to try and keep it as objective as possible while also bringing our fandom to the pod. That's all I got. I'm heated. Shaman, take us out. Well, we're coming back to you with another special segment. No, it's not the return of the McRib. It's the return of the Big Mac. Full disclosure, this interview was recorded prior to the September 14th Week 1 game. Welcome to another edition of The Football Games, Catching Injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. Okay, before I turn it over to Big Blue All Year's very own medical expert, let's provide some context for those of you who might be a little confused. We are actually recording this an hour away from the NFL season kicking off, and God, are we excited. But by the time you actually listen to this, we're actually already going to know the answer as to how Big Ben looks in his return from his elbow injury that ended his 2019 season in Week 2 versus the Seahawks. So, Big Mac, I want to ask you two questions tonight. Firstly, why would Big Ben struggle coming back from this type of injury? And if there's rust in the Monday night football game against the New York football giants, will speculation begin to swirl that it's due to the health of his elbow? I don't think he should struggle coming back from this particular injury. You don't know the specifics of it. You get the impression that it's a Tommy John-like injury which is an injury to the ulnar collateral ligament. It was first described in 1972 by, or in the 70s by Dr. Joe. And since that time, they've improved their techniques. Uh, Roethlisberger went out to the West Coast to get it done. 
He's now a year post-injury. If this was the only injury he had, he should recover quite well from it. There may be some other problems that he's had over the years that make it a little bit more difficult. But in a year's time, we should see him throwing the ball fairly well. A lot of these pitchers, when they come back, pitch just as well as they did pitch before. So it's not doesn't seem to be something that you're overly concerned about if you were a Steelers fan for his readiness for the season. And you did allude to the idea that there could be some other issues, Big Mac. And last year, longtime teammate of Big Ben, Marquise Pouncey, the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, told ESPN's Jeremy Fowler that Roethlisberger had actually been dealing with elbow soreness, quote, for the last few years. And Roethlisberger was quoted as saying he had issues even in week one before he came out of the game at halftime versus the Seahawks. So to that point, do you see that this surgery as being something that ameliorates all of these issues that maybe have been piling up the last few years? Or uh, could this be something that lingers him going into his age 38 season in the NFL? I think Ben Rossberger's condition, physical condition, and his aging is more of a problem than probably his elbow. Though, since he had this problem for a long time, he may have had some arthritic changes. On the inside of the elbow, you have stress injuries of traction. On the opposite side, you have compression, where the radial head comes up against the humerus, and you sometimes get some arthritic changes or loose bodies in there. So he may have some arthritic problems. I'm more concerned that he's just a year older and a total year away from playing football. So that brings us to our second question. And really, it sounds like you already answered it, Big Mac. But for the sake of it, you know, we hear all the time, especially during the offseason, and really particularly with older quarterbacks, we heard it with Eli for a few years when he did some baseball workouts, that they're in the best shape of their football lives. They're throwing with speed and velocity. And this year is no different with reports coming out of Steelers camp. If we aren't to believe, or excuse me, if we are to believe that this just isn't, you know, Rocky Four version of Apollo Creed, why really do you just feel that this isn't something that Steelers fans should be overly worried about? Just is the throwing motion that different from baseball or to your point, pitchers seem to come back positively from this injury. Is there anything that you can pinpoint as to the why as to this shouldn't be a concern for Steelers fans going into the season? Again, it may be a bit of a difficult question since we don't know the specifics of his injury or his surgery, but baseball pitchers have come back and thrown just as well as they've done before. Look at what Hugh Darvish is doing this year. Uh, like I said, the, my bigger concern is the physical condition that uh, Ben has gotten in himself uh, to make sure he can still play at age 38. I don't think his elbow should be the problem. Well, thanks for joining us tonight for the football games, catching injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. And Big Blue all year fans, obviously you'll be listening to this after we know the results of Monday night's game. We never wish ill will on anybody's health. So if Ben Roethlisberger is having issues on Monday night, let's hope that's because Big Blue's defense is crushing him and not because of his elbow injury. Shaman, take us out. Looks like, as always, Big Mac was right. It was just a little rust. All right, guys, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed. Catch us every Sunday and Friday from here on out. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and all that fun stuff on every platform we're available on. 